podcast where we discuss the movie Tombstone minute by minute. We're on minute 122, and I'm your co-host, Rob, and with me is Joe. Welcome to the final, at least, storytelling episode of Tombstone. That's right. Maybe not the final storytelling episode from one of us. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) But in this movie, yes. uh, Minute 122. In this minute, Wyatt and Josephine dance in the snow. (laughs) And we, as you said, the end of the story. Um, Starts out with uh, a Wyatt with a fantastic hat toss. It's good is a real good one just chucks his hat looks like it goes like four stories up in the air and he I wonder says, if he uses then, the same um the same special effects that they use for like that feather and forest gump that flies I, everywhere maybe maybe they did probably or do you think he just he's just he's a former baseball player right he could just make that throw yeah, if it was anyone but kurt russell i wouldn't believe it but yeah uh and then he says, and then we'll have room service. Ha ha. You, you get it? Because of earlier? Yeah. So, still advised. Yeah. And so I think um, it's sort of a cringy way to end the movie from that's the first dialogue. But don't worry. We have a voiceover. Robert Mitchum comes He's here back. to save us. He's back. He took a long break from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes back. And we get our little, uh, you know, recap of uh, what happened, everyone. Before we go over this, I have a question. Well, first off, do you like these sort of historical or otherwise in movies when they kind of have a uh, this is what happened to everyone in the in the movie? Yes. I do, too. What is the first movie you can remember that did that that you saw when you were younger? Oh, jeez. I don't know. You don't know uh, which one it is? No, I can't think of. It's Stand By Me for me. See, I didn't Sta- see that until I was in college. Okay, so Stand By Me I watched when I was a kid, and like that had uh, that had uh, Richard Dreyfuss narrating it, actually, I think, at the end. Yeah. A- and talking about what happened to everyone. So here we have Robert Mitchum. He says that Ike was shot and killed two years later. Uh, this next line is my favorite because it's so cold. Maddie died of a drug overdose shortly after she left Tombstone, as if it's no one's fault. Like, as if, like, well, you know. Oh, I just have a quick answer to your question from before. Oh. Don't they do that in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Hmm. I think they do. But I'm not a big Ferris Bueller's Day. Like, I've only seen that movie a handful of times. It's not not a movie I grew up watching. Hmm. I grew up watching Stand By Me. (laughs) It seems like everyone I know either was really into Stand By Me or really into The Goonies. Oh, really? You think there's like a Stand By Me people versus Goonies people? I, it just seems like it seems like that, but I don't. I haven't posed that question to enough people to say it confidently. I I watched the Goonies all the time when I was a little kid, but I I never was exposed to Stand By Me and um, as a youth. Interesting. Um, so yeah, Maddie died of a drug overdose shortly yep. after she left Tombstone. Uh, Virgil and Allie moved to California, where he became town sheriff. Uh, in real life, I don't think we've done this yet. Uh, how did he die? Virgil died in October of 1905 from pneumonia. He was 62 years old. Hmm. Uh, he was the second to last person from the shootout, the OK Corral, to to die. Uh, Wyatt and Josephine uh, embarked on a series of adventures, Joe. 
And I love this line, up or down, thin or flush. Uh, they mentioned how they were, you know, by each other's side for 47 years. Now, Supposedly. historically, I did a little, Joe, I did a little research. Oh, good. Uh, the relationship was stormy, according oh, to accounts by many who knew them. Uh, she was frequently a harpy, griping what? at various points about Wyatt's character and personality and his lack of occupational and financial success. This is my favorite part. Wyatt often went for long walks to get away from her. <laughs> <laughs> he became incensed by her gambling habit, which resulted in the loss of a lot of their money over the years. One more, one more line here. Each may have engaged in extramarital affairs. I don't believe it. <laughs> Wyatt died in Los Angeles in 1929. I love the way Robert Mitchum says Los Angeles in the voiceover. Yeah. Uh, he was 80 years old. The, uh, he mentions that the pallbearers were William Hart and Tom Mix. Those were, you know, two old-time Western stars from Hollywood. Uh, I also learned that one of the pallbearers, Joe, was John Clum. Oh, the mayor. Um, and I mentioned about it being odd. That the movie would end on the like room service line. Instead, it ends, and I would argue, and I know our good friend and Huckleberry Duff has said the same thing. One of the strangest final lines of a movie. Yeah, Tom Mix wept. Tom Mix wept. <laughs> Is it like the only time in his entire life that he cried? I don't know. Like I read that he was a pallbearer and he had tears in his eyes. Apparently, um. But, like, it just, like, this movie comes out in 93. Tom Mix died in 1940, right? So it's not even, like, a connection where you, you're you seeing this movie and you're being like, oh, Tom Mix. Like, if it was um, John Wayne wept, people would be like, oh, John Wayne cried. But, like, no one knows who Tom Mix is in 1993 at this movie. No, I, I don't know who he is. I had to look it up. And, you know, I think you and I know quite a bit about movies. Uh, let's keep playing our favorite game, How Do They Die? Uh, as I mentioned, Tom Mix was the, uh, he's kind of looked at as the first Western star in Hollywood. He died in 1940. Tragically, he was 60 years old, and he was traveling from Tucson to Phoenix. And while he was driving, the bridge was washed away from a flash flood, and he couldn't stop in time, so he, he like, swerved over car overturned into a gully and in his car like i'm guessing in the back seat or whatever was a large aluminum suitcase containing money traveler's checks and jewels and it hurled jewels? forward jewels <laughs> why is he and driving it, around and with it hurled stuff? forward hit him in the back of the head and broke his neck oh i have a lot of questions about the suitcase <laughs> Is he involved in like some kind of organized crime I like, don't enterprise? I don't know. Tom Mix. Mm. <laughs> That's so Tom Mix died. Um, yeah, bizarre. Tom Mix wept. I, I'm, I'm going to have to read more about this incident when we're done. Uh, and then this this minute ends on a freeze frame. Of course it does. And we see who this is directed by with uh, George P. Cosmatos. Joe, speaking of reading ahead, 
did you have a chance to read about uh, this Josephine Wider book, I Married Wider? <laughs> Glenn Boyer is an absolutely delightful and amazing con man. I, I mean, actually, he's not delightful at all. He seems like an absolutely miserable, loathsome human being. <laughs> and But I loved reading about it. So I looked at this Wikipedia page for his, for his life, which is surprisingly robust. And I, I didn't go – I was getting too depressed and uh, – and didn't read everything, but enough to like kind of address the controversy about I married Wyatt Earp. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, his first one of his first books was the Illustrated Life of Doc Holliday. Oh, yeah. illustrated, and it was published as quote a crime novel. And when a reader years later questioned him about the truthfulness of the work, Boyer told her that it was a hoax and a satire he wrote to purposely trap careless researchers <laughs> give me a break wow. Goyer included pictures of old western individuals that turned out to be images of his family oh my god it had no other purpose this are these are his words and no other purpose but to set a foot an experiment that would expose these people conclusively for the type of hip- hypocritical goddamn history faking they were doing and it worked Come on. <laughs> this guy this guy was born too early because he would be thriving in today's uh Twitter internet world. Yeah, he would absolutely be on Twitter like Louise Bench talking about all all the uh indictments that are headed towards the Trump camp. He would definitely be all over that. Yeah. Uh what would his tw- <laughs> what is Twitter handle? Let's see. There's that one dude where it's like at true facts stated. What would his be? Um, uh, Boyer. What was his first name? Do you remember? Glenn. Glenn Boyer. Um, man, what would it be? Maybe he'd call himself like the Western Oracle. Yeah. I, 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 I was thinking there would be. I was trying to think of like how he would have his name in there. It would probably be uh, the real Glenn Boyer. <laughs> the real. <laughs> Glenn Boyer, authentic. Uh, that might be too. Uh, so I, okay, so then this, then he publishes the suppressed murder of Wyatt Earp, where he reveals the existence of Maddie Blaylock. Uh, so I guess that's cool. Okay. And he then this "I Married Wyatt Earp" comes out. So the the full title of it is "I Married Wyatt Earp: The Recollections of Josephine Sarah Marcus Earp." Collected and edited by Glenn G. Boyer. I think that's actually also the name of Fiona Apple's second album. <laughs> <laughs> and contains and both contain equal amounts of truth about Wyatt Herp. Yeah, he... Yes. So, you looking at... And it's published, as you mentioned, by the University of Arizona Press. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... No human being will look at that cover of that book and think it could be anything other than a history. Yeah. It's just absolutely absurd. And so basically it's based on two manuscripts, one of which I guess exists, and another one which he called the Clum Manuscript, okay. which uh, he would basically go back and forth depending on when he was asked 
saying it was lost and no one knows where it is. And then it's found. And his last comment of it on it was, it is alive and well in my head. (laughs) (laughs) And he basically uh, claims that the University of Arizona pressed him to use this manuscript, which to I seem to think, or which I think is clearly totally made up. Mm-hmm. And so he says, I, so I put words in Josephine's mouth. I never marketed myself as a historian. Who cares? Stuart Lake did it. I just did it to make it interesting enough to be read. And he calls it what, when people were calling it a hoax, he would ar- argued back that it was misunderstood. And it was never meant to be viewed as a history it was meant to be viewed as creative nonfiction. so basically he's saying like this isn't a straight up history based on primary sources it's like more like capote's in cold blood where i'm taking a real story and and turning it into a a narrative you know adding dialogue and things like that that no one was there to witness or you know like norm my one of my favorite books armies of the night by norman mailer absurd give me a break the difference is those people clearly said what they were doing <laughs> yes <laughs> and they didn't have it published by uh university press the what I, my favorite part is is the way he attacked his critics <laughs> just unbelievably homophobic uh, yeah that's- i don't know if i can say some of these things in this podcast <laughs> he basically uh okay i can say some of this uh, Boyer and and there's there's a really good article uh, in the Guardian about this called Bun Fight at the OK Corral. I would recommend <laughs> that people check out. It's pretty Bun funny. Fight. And it it goes into uh, sort of the the way some historians have attacked this, and he his go to move was to call anybody who criticized his work gay or a homosexual. He said he was sorry that he wrote an effing word about Wyatt Earp and that he'll never do a goddamn act of generosity for the public again. They <laughs> killed the goose that laid the golden egg. This guy's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he... So when some people... Uh, th- there's sort of a group of scholars that sort of went on to... Uh, kind of correct the record and criticize his work and stuff. And they were called uh, Friends of Tombstone. Okay. Oh, this I can't. I don't think I can say this. He basically said Friends of Tombstone should be renamed. Oh, gosh. I got it. (laughs) I got it. So the slang term for cigarettes in England. Yep. Of Tombstone. add the plural (laughs) on tour. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just this guy is a villain. Yes, but so like transparently villainous and full of it that I find him incredibly entertaining. Uh, and he uh, he belonged in the old west. He should have been going around selling like snake oil. And he's tonic, Behan. Right? He's Behan. Maybe yeah. Behan he doesn't is... seem to be as polished as Behan was. That's though. true. Uh, wow. Do you think the people? He's who Ike. Were... But if I could read, like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which were he's illiterate, Ike. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Uh, the one more fact I have here, 
uh, from this minute is, do you know uh, why Derpy died in 1929? He was 80 years old. Do you know what he died mm-hmm. from? Uh, you know, I used to know this. Uh, didn't we mention it one of the uh, – maybe we didn't. Uh, shoot, I can't remember. It's something kind of weird, right? Yeah, he had a chronic urinary tract infection. Hmm. I mean, he's also 80, so I'm sure there was other health issues. Yeah. Than just that. You could but... die from that? He died oh, from Oh, so any just sort the of infection in... spread the infection, to other parts yeah. of his body and probably really bad fever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how, that's how uh, Wyatt Earp died. Um, no one taught. So, supposedly, he's a bit of a philanderer, yes? Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean we don't know, but we, according to some accounts you shared with us today. Yeah. No one, he might have engaged in extramarital affairs. No one taught him what you're supposed to do after those, I guess. Oh, pull it, boy. What? Pull it, boy. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> pull it, boy, from earlier. Pull it, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I was just saying he, you're supposed to go to the bathroom to prevent those infections. Oh. oh oops. <laughs> but that, too. <laughs> Joe, do you have anything else on minute 122 before uh, we are going to have a Huckleberry tomorrow? Turning Huckleberry again to uh, talk about the credits and the walking and whatever else we want to talk about. We're yeah, of- I, I have other things to say, but we we don't. We got uh, eight more minute, eight more episodes to fill, and the movie's not going to help us anymore. So okay. uh, we should save it. All right, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, minute 123.